Good morning. It is really good to see people uh, and not just, I, I love Stephen, but when it's just Stephen and a couple of cameras, it gets a little lonely when you're trying to preach. And so I'm just so thankful uh, for those of you who have joined us today in person. I'm also thankful for those of you who are still joining us this morning online. Uh, it is a wonderful blessing to have the kind of technology where when we're facing hopefully what is the craziest season of any of our lives uh, that we can find a way to still be together even if we're not all in the same physical space. So once again, I, I want to I express a happy Father's Day uh, to everyone, to all the men who have intentionally invested in the life of a child. And that's, that will, that's what makes you a father, is investing in the life of a child. And on a day like today, as Holly talked about, we come with different kinds of emotions. We, we come with various memories and thoughts. It's always a mixed bag uh, in a group this large where we have memories that bring us joy and happiness and at other times we ache. Maybe it's that we're not able to see our father as much as we want to, that he's not a part of our everyday lives anymore. Uh, for others of us, we have this wonderful opportunity today to celebrate and honor the man who was and still is, uh, maybe the best glimpse that we've ever had of what it means to be loved faithfully and deeply and unconditionally. You know, regardless of what Father's Day means to you this morning, regardless of what it means to me, you know, being a father is one of those things. Fatherhood is, is a topic that seems everybody has an opinion about, or at least they want to offer some insights uh, that they can share. American author Clarence B. Kelland once wrote, My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Theodore Hesburgh once commented that the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. When thinking about the, the great circle of life, Charles Wadsworth reflected that by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a child who thinks he's wrong. Classic storyteller Garrison Keillor once claimed, the father of a daughter is nothing but a high-class hostage. A father turns a stony face to his sons, berates them, shakes his antlers, paws the ground, snorts, runs them off into the underbrush. But when his daughter puts her arm around his shoulder and says, Daddy... I need to ask you something. He's a pat of butter in a hot frying pan. And author Dan Zevin shares, Lately, all my friends are worried that they're turning into their fathers. I'm worried that I'm not. You know, it's that last quote, it's that last thought that I resonate the most with this morning. As I think about my dad and I think about who he is to me, who he has, has proved himself to be, it's not so much that I worried I'm becoming more and more like him. It's that I'm worried I'm not yet enough like him in all the ways I wish I could be. My earliest memories, my best memories of my father revolve around baseball and mealtimes and bedtime. You know, I started playing baseball, if you could call it playing baseball, as soon as I was able to clumsily knock a ball off of a tee. My earliest heroes were, were guys like Willie Mays and Sandy Koufax. And I, I remember spending time with my dad in the backyard playing catch. And I, I remember how the rhythm of our throws back and forth 
It seemed like they composed the kind of invisible music that was trembling invisibly in the air between us. And even as a child, I knew that that, that kind of experience it, it would never last long enough. I remember every time we'd play catch, my dad would say, okay, it's time to go in. I'd always ask, can we just, just five more minutes, dad, just five more minutes. When it comes to, to meal times, I, I'm not just talking about any meals, but usually dinner. My, my family tried our best, even as we got older and busier. We, we tried to come together as a family at night for dinner. And I remember, I can picture sitting at the table. We, we kind of had assigned seats. My dad was always at the, the head of the table. My mom sat next to him. I sat across from her. My two younger sisters sat just beside me and my mom. Uh, those seats didn't change as long as I was living at home. And we would come together and we would, we would talk about our days. We would we'd share memories. We would share dreams we had about the future. And, and it was like we didn't just have seats that we, we knew belonged to us, but we belonged to one another. And my dad wasn't always able to be there when it's time for me to go to bed. But whenever he could, he made an effort to come into my room and sit down and talk with me to catch up really to check in on me and how I was doing. And sometimes we'd laugh, sometimes I'd, I'd talk about difficult challenges I was, I was having to deal with, and sometimes he'd give advice, sometimes he just listened. And no matter what happened, he would then pray over me. You know, he, he would thank God for the good I was experiencing. He would, he would ask God to help me with the, the difficulties I might be facing. He would ask God to help me sleep well that night. He'd say amen, and then he would always kiss me on the forehead and leave. And I have these memories in my heart of laying in bed and staring up at the dark ceiling and replaying over and over the words my father had spoken to me and had spoken over me to God. And even though he wasn't still right there in the room with me, what that means is that I would fall asleep to the sound of my father's voice. It was the the safest, the most secure place I could imagine ever being. You know, when fathers speak words to us like that, when fathers speak words over us like that, words that are full of love and care and promise, they're not just words that we listen to. They're, they're words that we treasure. They're, they're words that we hold on to. They, we, we carry them with us. And somewhere along the way, well, they end up becoming a part of us. They, be, they become a part of who we are. When you read through the Old Testament, it is very clear that God always was and always wanted to be the father of his people, Israel. That's not to say the role was always easy. It's not to say that the role was always enjoyable. But regardless of the challenge, no matter the cost, God wanted to be their father. Through the many ups and downs in their relationship, God is forever faithful to his children. He may be shocked at how they end up treating one another, what they say, what they do. He even has times in the Old Testament where he gets verbally frustrated enough to threaten to give up and walk away, but he never actually does it. He can't do it. His heart, his love, his commitment to his children won't let him simply give up and walk away, and so he's always there. He's always there. The prophet Isaiah expresses this unwavering commitment that God has for his people in chapter 46, verses 3 and 4. Listen to me, house of Jacob, 
God says, all the remnant of the house of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. When I became a father, I immediately, I mean immediately had this overwhelming desire to make promises to both of my daughters, to Riley and Therese. And they were promises that sounded an awful lot like the words that God is speaking here to his children. Right? Words of, of commitment to always be there, to protect, to provide, to be present no matter what is happening in a world filled with uncertainty to say, you can rely on this, you can rely on me. Every good father at some time or another finds a way to communicate what what God is saying here to their children. Even if it's not through words, they find a way to let their kids know, look, I'm the one who's always been here and I will always be here. I, I was here from the very beginning. I have carried you from the start. I'm taking care of you now. And no matter what happens, I'm here for you. No matter what kind of problem or or difficulty or challenge or mess you find yourself in, I will rescue you. You know, we speak these kinds of words over our children. If if you're anything like me, you you spoke these words over your children when they were just minutes old. Even if it was silently, you spoke these words. And, And we speak them to our children when... When even if we say them out loud, we know that they're too young to fully understand what we're trying to say. And while we mean every word that we're saying, we also know we've all lived life enough as adults to know that while we would love to be able to keep unending, unlimited promises to our children, there's a chance that we're not going to be able to. There's a chance that we just don't have that power within us. I mean, what if something happens? What if something happens to us? What if something happens to them? What if someone mistreats them and we're not there to protect them? I know you didn't come to church on Father's Day and have to deal with all of this physical distancing and masks to hear me talk about what might happen if. right? We try not to think about those things, especially on Mother's and Father's Day. But we know it. We know our own limitations. We know the difficulties that this world can throw at every single one of us. And yet in spite of that, in spite of the cold hard reality of our own limitations, brothers and sisters, we make unlimited promises to our children anyway because we love them so much we don't know what else to say. We, we don't know what else to do. Our love for our children leads us to speak about the kind of future we would give anything to give them, even though we can't possibly know exactly how everything's going to turn out. We offer our promises, hoping that even if we don't know exactly how they're going to come true, one way or another, they will come true. Riley, my oldest, is 12 now. And her sister, Reese, is nine. But when they were both younger, you know, right in that that developmental stage that that most kids are in when they're four, five, and six, 
I remember us at bedtime, and bedtime has always been one of my favorite times with both Riley and Reese. And part of it is because I not only feel close to them, I feel close to my own parents, right? I feel close to my own dad. And when they got to four and five and six, they started listening more carefully than they had before to the words of promise I would speak over them right before they would drift off to sleep. Words I wanted them to hear right before they fell asleep. And so, you know, as they got to a place where they realized, you know what, life doesn't always go the way people want it to go. Things don't always turn out the way that fairy tales do. They would start to ask me questions like this. Daddy, will you always be with us? Will you, will you always be here? Always? Always is a big word. Right? It's, it's a word that means more than I'm able to, to promise on my own. But every single time one of my girls would ask me, Daddy, will you always be here? Will you always be with me? I would say yes. And at first I felt really guilty that I wasn't qualifying it somehow, right? To say, well, you know, honey, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to try my best to always be here. But, you know, something could happen that we don't know is going to happen. And then maybe we're going to have to be apart for at least a little while. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've lived with it, the more I've wrestled with it, the more I'm convinced that as layered as it is, When my daughters ask me, Daddy, will you always be there? The best answer, the right answer is yes. Because I'm a father with faith. And like all of you out there who are fathers with faith, when when we're making, we're trying to make unlimited, unending promises to our children, we're also praying Right? We're not just promising, we're praying to God to help those promises come true. When I make a promise to my, my girls, I am in the very same moment asking God to help make my words come true. And if they can't come true through me, I'm asking God to make them come true through him. For God is their heavenly father after all. He is their eternal spiritual father. And as much as I love Riley and Reese, and girls, I love you more than I can say and more than I know how to show you, as much as I love them, I don't have the power inside of me to make all the good that I dream for them come true. I just don't. And yet I trust as a father with faith that God can, and more than that, I trust and believe that God will. I trust that God's words through Isaiah all those years ago to the Israelites, they weren't just intended for the Israelites, they were intended for all of God's children throughout all of time. In other words, they were intended for you and for me. And he's not just making those promises to us, he's inviting us to be people who live those promises to one another. Through his strength, through his power, through his presence. My promise to be faithful no matter what, That kind of promise, it doesn't just belong to me. It belongs to God as much as it belongs to me. So if it's just the same with you, I'm going to keep making those kinds of promises to to Riley and to Reese. I'm going to make unending, unlimited promises that I know I can't keep all on my own. But that's okay because I'm not ever just on my own. I'm not. 
When I tell Riley and Reese that we will always be together, I am telling them the truth. It's not my truth. It's God's truth. I am not making my own promise. I am promising them the the amazing eternal promises of God. I, I am promising them that God loves them. And God's love for them will bring them into a future that is filled with blessing and goodness. And because of that, they can have certainty. They can have hope that whatever future they're going to have, God's going to be in it. And if God's in it, it's going to be good. But more than that, and I, I want to drill down into this thought this morning. Because it's Father's Day and I love that I can hear all of your children. I love it. It's how Father's Day should sound. Right? So, and Glenn's not back yet, so I need somebody to make noise. Okay, so, Glenn, if you're watching, we love you. Okay. Here's what God promises all of us. See, because on Father's Day, here's what we need to remember. He's not just my girl's father. He's my father. And when he has said to me, Not just to me, but to all of us. I will carry you. I will be there for you. I will rescue you. As you continue to read throughout scripture, one of the most consistent promises of God is that he never just saves us or rescues us all by ourselves, but he gathers us together again. And so when we say to one another, I will always be there for you, we are telling the truth. We're not telling our truth, we're telling God's truth. God has promised us that somehow, some way, he is going to help us within our families be present to and for one another beyond our own abilities. He has promised us that he will help us in our families be present to and for one another beyond our imaginations. And brothers and sisters, I'm convinced of this. Because of the hope of the resurrection, he has promised us that we will be able to be present somehow to and for one another beyond our own life. What I'm trying to tell you, all the dads and moms out there, is when your kids ask you, always, Daddy, will we always be together? Because we are people of faith, we can say with confidence, always. Always. Somehow, some way, always. So, so on this day, may we remember that we are never alone when we are raising our children. We're never alone. The forever faithful father of all is always beside us, walking every step of the way beside us, holding us together. And brothers and sisters, he is not just with us, but he will carry us. And I promise you, he will carry us home together and it will never come to an end. Because our God is a God of always. I'm going to ask Dan to join me. Uh, We're going to sing together. And as we do, I want you to, to hold on to that conviction that whatever happens, God is with us and he will carry us home together.